Pierre, I'm going to send you a Miami Dolphins shirt because I don't know what the heck you're wearing, but it's not going to fly down here, bro. That's please, please, please don't spend on that uh, shipping and handling. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. It's coming now. It's coming for sure. Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron and Rashog. Bit of a late-week bonus edition as we had a chance to catch up with Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice. We'll get to that interview in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that Got Your Back, NHL edition, is brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. So when it comes to the construction industry in this country, there is nothing that Cross Country Canada cannot handle. If you're a company that builds roads, well, they have everything you need from survey equipment to plan it out to equipment to haul and move dirt, even the material you lay down to stabilize the terrain. You can get all of it at Cross Country Canada. Basically, if Cross Country Canada doesn't rent it or sell it, you probably don't need it. A truly Canadian company, Cross Country Canada supplies and rentals. As we check in with Pierre Lebrun, a pretty stiff shot there from Paul Maurice at you to get the interview started, Pierre. I love it. Coach came out firing. You know, if there's one thing I could go back in time and change about my Cowboy fandom is that I shouldn't have shared it with the world because sometimes when the Cowboys have these monumental losses, I will hear from a lot of NHL front office people saying, are yeah. you doing okay? <laughs> oh man if there was one thing i could change about your nfl fandom it would be the team in which you are an nfl fan of i i would change that for you if i could pierre well it's too late now but you're a loyal man we can't we yeah. cannot change that uh we'll get to paul maurice in a couple of minutes but first some breaking news overnight uh i think it was 11 o'clock or something central time when this thing was consummated last night but the Dallas Stars get a contract done, a very important contract done with a very important player, Jason Robertson. Uh, four years, $7.55 million on what amounts to a bridge deal, Pierre. This was critical for them to get done and for Robertson not to miss time. What do you make of the term in dollars? There you go. That's why I'm wearing a, a Dallas shirt. Um, <laughs> You know, first of all, I can tell you that as of Wednesday morning, I haven't checked in on this negotiation. This thing was not close. So my understanding is this thing really broke on Wednesday afternoon, finally, after a long stalemate. Although both sides really kept the dialogue going. Jim Neal and Pat Brisson had a, had a really healthy back and forth throughout all this. So it never got nasty. But it certainly went um, to a point where it seemed like a deadlock for a long time. When this negotiation began, I mean, Pat Brisson and Jason Robertson, they wanted a longer-term deal, which a lot of players at, at this stage of this pedigree are trying to get these days, as you see. And the Stars, for, for a while, were certainly stuck on a, on a shorter bridge deal. Uh, and a lot of it is for cap reasons for the Stars. Between Sagan and Ben and other contracts, they really have cap issues there in Dallas. Right. And I don't think the Stars felt they could go with the seven, eight year deal with Jason Robertson. So of course what happens middle ground four years uh, is where both sides been on just in the last couple of days, they've been on for a bit, but then it became AV and the structure of the deal, et cetera. Um, so uh, they finally get it done. He's, he's really the last uh, big name left to sign and uh, a little behind now missing camp, but obviously important for a team, the new head coach and Pete DeBoer that intends to contend here this year. Interesting to note, $9.3 million in year number four, which adjusts what the qualifying right. offer is, right? So it's a four-year contract. 
That was attractive for the Stars because five years would have taken him to free agency. Uh, and it also staggers when they'll be renewing Robertson and Jake Ottinger. They didn't want to have to do those in the same year. So four years was the target here for the Stars on a bridge deal. They get that. But 9.3 in that last year is definitely notable. You look at some of the other notable offensive players with bridge deals. Line A was four times 8.7. Pedersen three times 7.35. Uh, you know, Kaprizov, uh, five times nine. Um, so just taking a look around the league where they ended up coming in. And uh, definitely a solid dollar figure for him. But for a 40-goal scorer to have under uh, $8 million bucks is pretty impressive to me, Pierre. Yeah, the flip side will be that the cap will really start to go up in 24 and 25. And then when he's finally up, the cap will really be up, presumably, with revenue revenue growth. And then he continues to be the player that he is right now. Well, you know, maybe he would have been cheaper on an yeah. eight-year deal, it turns <laughs> out. But again, in the current cap situation of the Dallas Stars, you understand why they didn't want to go longer. All right. So a very important contract gets wrapped up. Okay, to the head coach of the Florida Panthers as we're going to go to our who's got your back segment of course that is brought to you by Liberty Smart Security Liberty Smart Security is a company that specializes in having your back high quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business Liberty Smart Security uses leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Pierre, I don't know about you. Uh, I have had a security system uh, for the last six years or so, and I use Liberty. But, man, having a security system at your house when you have kids coming and going, when you're active and coming and going for hockey all the time, uh, it's, it's absolutely critical, and it kind of gives you that nice peace of mind. And I've even got a monitored security system. So it's, it's just one of those core elements you got to have in place. No question about it. I mean, it's it's just the reality of the life we live in now, and it's a, it's a must. And uh, you're right, <laughs> my three kids playing hockey. The uh, we've got a lot of comes and goings here in the house. So for it's, sure, it's good. The nice yeah. thing you you'd like about Liberty is that it can be really complex for people who are tech savvy. So for me, I can have like the the geo fencing. Anytime I leave a certain geo area, uh, it like. Reminds hey, don't me. Lose, don't lose me now. No, don't lose me now. Okay, Ryan. for the tech, for the tech savvy person, this thing can be off the charts, detailed and usable. But the point I was going to make for the tech simple, and that's the polite term I'll use for you, it can be really, Thank really you. easy to use as well. Literally, push a button when you leave, push a button when you get home, uh, and it's that simple. So, Liberty Smart Security, really, they are smart security systems. All right, so let's get to our interview with Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Florida Panthers. Uh, listen, he fired a hard shot at you, which I love, but he also said a lot of meaningful stuff in this interview, Pierre. What stood out for you? You know, what stood out for me in that interview is that it's pretty apparent from the way he described how he got himself to a place where he was ready to coach again, because I think, you know, it was not 100% he was going to coach this season. You know, he really did need time off after stepping down in Winnipeg last year. But it's pretty clear that there was a specific opportunity that spoke to him, and that's the Florida Panthers. In other words, if this job is not offered to him, and if he doesn't have those, those conversations with the Panthers, that makes it apparent to him that it's the perfect fit i don't think paul maurice is behind an nhl bench this year i don't think he felt that he had to come back yeah but this job was appealing to him 
And some real significant family reasons, some things lined up for him in his personal life that made going down there make a, a tremendous amount of success as well. Really enjoyed our conversation with Pete Bo- uh, with Paul Maurice. And uh, just so you know, Pierre, uh, I had your back because while he was taking shots at you, I began the interview with a pretty stiff shot at him. Here is the head coach of the Florida Panthers, Paul Maurice, courtesy Liberty Smart Security. All right, got your back, LeBron and Rashog. Pleased to be joined by the number 252 pick in the 12th round <laughs> of the 1985 NHL entry draft. The last pick that year, Paul Maurice, now NHL coach. Paul, how are you, sir? Yeah, that and that was an accurate assessment of my talent. They may have overestimated me at 252. So I think some I don't think anybody got fired on that because that pick didn't matter, but it was accurate. There were uh, there were two guys from the twelfth round of the '85 draft that played over 350 games in the league. Any guesses? Do you even recall? I don't know '85. I know that Andy Brickley, I believe, was the last player picked, and he played. Uh, but I don't I don't know who the other guys would be. So let's just say you had the wrong skill set in that round because it was Ken Baumgartner, yes. 696 games, 2200 penalty minutes. <laughs> And the other was Rudy Postcheck, 364 yeah. <laughs> games, 817 penalty minutes. So well, yeah, we can we can look at kind of the theme of the draft because Wendell Clark went first overall <laughs> that year. So <laughs> in, in general, we could say at that time they were looking for a different kind of player. I think that's fine. Uh, by the way, speaking of the early days of your career, there's I got a yes. big team logo behind me, Paul. I thought, Hartford I Whalers. Thought Yes, I always have it in my background, but uh, where you started your NHL coaching career. The best crest in the NHL and and the most coveted gear at my house. I don't keep a lot of stuff, but we, we you know, you get fired, you pack it all in a bag, but I didn't get fired from Hartford. So it was good stuff, right? So we liked it. <laughs> it is easily the most fought over gear between my three kids is the stuff that we have left from that. So I, I always always love it. Look forward. Look forward for it on the bench so i don't know what year it was so it's a few years out and i think it might have been in 02 when we went on that run in in the national anthem if i could find a whaler sweater in the stands like in carolina yeah our winning percentage was like 900 right so i get to the point i swear we went on this unbelievable like 11 game run if i could find it so now i'm not even (laughs) The song. I mean, the camera's not on you back then, but I would swear I would scan the entire city and I would find one, right? Some guy up in the, you know, third tier would have a whaler sweater on. I go, okay, we're going to be all right tonight. We're gonna and you tonight. tracked it and you yeah, tracked your wins and losses when no, you found I, one. I, I, I was looking for it. That's unreal. Uh, well, listen, Paul, we really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, we're going to get to hockey in a moment, uh, but first I just wanted to uh, ask you about uh, the state of Florida right now. As we all know, there's a lot going on in that state. People are really, really suffering with the hurricane and the weather going through yeah. there. Um, not necessarily right in your backyard, yeah. but what's your sense of uh, the way this is affecting the state yeah. and the people in it and how it resonates with your hockey team? Well, we were certainly fortunate. And, and not wishing uh, misfortune on other people, but it missed it. And, and we're new here, right? We moved down from, had some experience going through uh, hurricanes when we lived in, in North Carolina. But what's, what's been, I don't know if fun, it's the funds that what's been nice to see is there is a kind of family feel here. It didn't hit us, but it hit somebody in our family. So all parts of Florida uh, pitching in, you know, like, 
I get to the rink real early in the morning. The day after it hit, I was driving west down Highway 595, and in the entire lane were, were trucks with the blue lights on it, hundreds, mm-hmm. and I don't maybe thought, but hundreds and hundreds of trucks coming from the East Coast heading to the West Coast to help out. And in and, and every major parking lot that you saw was just lineman trucks and just everybody pitching in to help out. So it's a, clearly a horrible situation down here. They have, unfortunately, they have great experience in dealing with it, and they, and they deal with it like a family. It, it didn't hit us, but it hit one of us. You know, and I was thinking, Paul, the, the various different markets that you've been able to coach in and how, you know, uniquely different they are. I mean, I think about the spotlight on you in Winnipeg and how you handle that with great dexterity. And, and when you were younger in Toronto and kind of hits you like a two-by-four, I, I think your first couple of weeks as Leafs head coach, and also yeah. in non-traditional markets like Carolina and now Florida again, right. what's what's the juxtaposition of that when you're when, when you go from one end to the other somewhat? You're you're so right. So my, in Carolina, uh, when we get there, it's it's not a hockey town. So you're educating as much as anything else. It's such a non-traditional market. But what's interesting about the non-traditional markets, the fans that get caught up in the game are just crazed fans so it's true in florida it's true in carolina because you've seen the franchises win more hockey games and get stronger they're non-traditional fans but there's lots of them and toronto then in winnipeg it's a it's a culture right it's the culture of the game so all fans all the time the media would be one of the major differences clearly in in terms of time requirements uh messaging um but at the same time it's still the the love of the game that makes it great. It, it completely different. I had thought about that the other day. I, I remember about my second week, Pierre, in Toronto, and I was <laughs> driving home on the Gardner, and I was actually in a panic because I had given I don't know eighteen interviews that day. I'd answered a hundred questions, and I was realizing that I answered every question almost differently. Like if you. Mm-hmm. You put a summary together of my answers, you'd say this guy's full of it because he just gave. And I was in a panic, and I hit the four twenty seven. I just remember this so clearly. And I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to care what I say in the media ever again. And I let it go. And it was it was almost an epiphany. I, I just couldn't mm. process all of the requirements. And from that point on, I, I, I looked at the diff, the media different. I'm going to be as honest as I can, as open as I can. But I'm not going to try to remember what I say. I'm not going to try to give the same. I'm just going to talk, and then I'm going to let it go. I know I'm going to make a mistake. I know I'm going to mess it up, but I'm not going to give it any more worry. Any, and, and I think that's, that's helped me in, in terms of dealing with the media. How much of your bandwidth did it take up in cities like Toronto and Winnipeg versus what you're dealing with day-to-day in Florida right now? How significant was it in your day-to-day in terms of taking up space um, that maybe could be spent other in, in other areas? Well, there's a cost, and some of it you can control and some of it you, you can't. But the, the real difference, you, you can't say something really stupid in any market or you're going to get clubbed for it. It's going to be a problem <laughs> for you. The difference would be if I made a comment in Toronto or at Winnipeg, there would be 20 cameras in the stall about the player that I was talking about. And I was going to have to live with that, or the player was going to have to live with that with two for two weeks. So you had to be mindful. It's why I always spoke last every single day. Wouldn't speak first. Cause what I would say would go, your coach just said, you're not playing any good. I'd pick right. better words than that, but you would, you would be very mindful right. of the impact of what you were saying and where it was going to lead, you know, and then, and then, I mean, I don't, 
I don't think it necessarily, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily change lines in practice. So if I had an idea in my head about a line change, I want to move these two guys around. I wouldn't do it in practice. I'd always wait to see. Really? There's going to come a day. So you coach the game. Don't don't get me wrong. You coach the game. And if you want to make a change, you'd make a change and deal with it. Yeah. But if it was something that just kind of interested you, something that piqued your interest, you might want to try. I know in the next three or four games, that opportunity was probably going to pop up and then I would try it then. That way I didn't have a guy having to answer about his line change because it was almost never positive, right? So if I took a guy and put him on the first line, the camera didn't go see him, right? He went to the guy that I bumped down to the third line and now we're going through his family history. Well, well, of course, Paul. It's way more interesting, (laughs) right? That's not a negative critique, I think. I think that it's such a difficult job. There is something that's easier, though, about dealing with the media in a major market. You know in a major market there's going to be a, a spectrum of thought about what you say. You're not making everybody happy. But it's almost easier if everything gets covered. In a smaller market at times, it's one thought, right? There's only one voice or two voices, and if those voices are most negative, that's all anybody ever hears. So having... 10 people screaming sometimes is easier than just one because one you can hear and, and you, but 10 just, they, they drown each other out. You know, I'm listening to you right now, Paul, and, uh, and you, you and I haven't chatted in a while. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people were trying to respect your, your privacy when you stepped no. down from the bench in Winnipeg. But I will say that I remember when I was, you know, we were reporting on the fact that you were going to be head coach in Florida. I, I won't say I was surprised, Paul, but, but I guess I was wondering, were the last time we had spoken where it seemed undetermined what your next step would be, that makes any sense, and then you end up in Florida. I wonder if you could walk us through, you know, what transpired there. Sure. So coming off the bench was a necessity in my mind for myself and for the, for the franchise, right? You go nine years flat out as hard as you can. I love those people up there. COVID... I think had something to do with it because I stopped enjoying my job. First time in my career, the, the, it just, it was very, very difficult. But at the end, you know, man, I judge my performance too. We're performers and I didn't like my performance and it was affecting me. It was really, really bothering me. I couldn't, I couldn't move the needle on the team like I thought I could two or three years earlier. And I knew to the point we had a conversation with about it in the summer with, with uh, ownership and management there that I was concerned about, um, about my own performance. And, and then we added a couple of defensemen and you get fired up and then you go back in and you went, okay, there was a reason why you had this conversation. It's not right. So I needed to. And then when I left, I mean, this is, this, uh, I'll give you the exact unusual things that happened in my life. It's January. So December 16th, I stepped down in January, late January, I'm flipping through some TV and it's almost the first time I had a hockey game on. And my wife says, is there anything that interests you out there? And I just just flipped the channel to Florida. I said, that team interests me. Just, they're, they're interesting. They're fun to watch. And I always watch the fun teams. Like I'm a fan too, just like everybody. I think, yeah, I got pre-scouts I got to watch. And then I look down the list, okay, who's the most fun team to watch play? And I'll watch them play. So it was Florida. Two months later, my, my youngest decides he's going to go to school down here. Now, I don't say anything to him when he's making his decision on schools, but what I'm thinking is two-bedroom condo is what I'm thinking. You don't know it, kid, but you're going to go to school at the University of Miami, and mom and I are moving in with you. Didn't tell him. He picks that. So that was interesting. But as we got into the time where coaches started to get contacted, I, I got contacted. It was never 
it really never crossed my mind. There wasn't a place there that I thought was a fit or that interested me. And then I'm driving down the road and the number comes up that I don't know. And it's Bill Zito. I've never talked to him before in my life. I'm aware at that point in time that they might be doing something, but I'm, I'm not reaching out to throw my name in the hat. I'm not calling people in the media, say, Hey, Paul Maurice, I'd like to get back into coaching. It was just the truth. So I talked to Bill and we set up a Zoom call the next day and we talked for a couple hours. And I thought, well, that was an interesting call. And, and they invited me down. And we, it was five hours uh, just with him the first day and then 10 hours the next day with the whole staff. And, and I'm not too long into that meeting where I want to coach again. Hmm. So the why, it's the why. What's the difference? I just got the sense from all the people that I talked to around that they could make me better. I want to be a better coach this year than I've ever been. That that should be the progression. So players age out, coaches actually shouldn't, right? We should get smarter, more experienced, and we should learn more. And I just felt that I could. I Here is a place, Bill's got an unusual style, he's got lots of energy, he asks a million questions, and for me, that just was really good. And I thought, this is a place that I could be a better coach. So then it was a yes, for sure. Hmm. So you make that decision, and now it's about – what do you have? A team that fantastic during the regular season, some disappointing playoff results, I think is probably a fair way to put it. Um, you start evaluating what you have. What is your process to get yourself up to speed on the season that was, the team that is, the Florida Panthers, so you can do this the way you need to do it? Considering the fact, I mean, admittedly, you had checked out for a little while. So all of the, first of all, is just taking as much information in as you possibly can. So that's pro scouts, amateur scouts, management for sure. We have had a huge changeover in staff. So they've built a high performance group. We hired a gentleman, Chris McClellan, out of Australia to come in and head that. Uh, we hired Andy O'Brien as a consultant to help build that group out. We have a mental skills group. So there's a lot of new moving parts to this, getting to know all of them. Talk to the players once, just as... Guy to guy, how you doing? Are you married? Are you single? Where do you live? How do you train? No hockey at all. Talk to them six weeks later as players. Tell me what you think you're good at. Tell me where you think the Florida Panthers need to improve. And in between that time, build a staff that you could work with that you're excited about uh, and then watch a lot of hockey. So go go through all of their playoff games very, very closely. Take uh, the probably 10 best games that they played all year. They're 10 worst games that they played all year track. Well, one of the nice things here is, is they've got a program that I've got every practice that they've run all the video meetings that they've shown. So I just lived their year last year, day to day. This is the practice they run. This is the video that they showed. That's their, that's the game that they played. This is the video that they showed the next game and you just learn, wow. learn the game. So when you come out of that, you have, and then we got a, a big chunk of changeover. So even though you have this idea of what the team was, the team's different now, right? We have five or six players that that left at, and then we've got a whole bunch of new guys to to mold into a system. And then you've got all the veteran guys that are here. Then you're changing some things for them too. So that's a lot of words. What's the idea? There's a lot of really really good here. The challenge is not to touch any of it. And then there's some structure that needs to come in so that we can understand why playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. And we need to add that to our game. So t leave all the good stuff, add some stuff to, to make us a little harder to play against. Well, you mentioned the roster. I was going to get to that because from the moment you were hired uh, and the roster looked one way and then eventually, of course, the blockbuster. And I wonder what that conversation is like with Bill Zito when he's like, oh, by the way, we're 
trading Huberto and Uyghur to Calgary for Matthew Kipchak. That's right. not a that's not a light conversation. Surprise. <laughs> right. Right. Well, what I I think that's the, the key piece for your general manager is he has to have a vision of the way he wants his team to play. He's the guy that drafts players. He's the guy that acquired players. So there has to be an idea. Um, and, and he's aggressive with it, right? He knows what he wants. He's very aggressive with it. And, and he was. So that's exciting for me, right? Again, he, has, he talks hockey all the time, which is fun. We talk about everything, right? Non-hockey stuff, hockey stuff. He's really very bright man, very interesting to have a conversation with. But when he sets his mind, he wants to do something, it, it's going to get done. So we have a lot of changeover for sure. But style-wise, when we still have an awful lot of skill, we have an awful lot of speed. I think we got a little more bite in our lineup now maybe that they had in the past, and, and that's really important when you get into those heavy grinding games. Matthew Kachuk um, came in with a bit of a bang, had some great comments immediately about the rivalry in, in Florida. Uh, you know, a market that I think probably will attach to a, a star player with all kinds of personality and a little bit of edge to him. What have you sensed about the way the market has kind of opened up to this player and uh, his maybe taking to the market and, and taking on the challenge of continuing to help grow the game there as well? I think, Ryan, that that's the key piece to any franchise is, is not just to get fans attached to the team, but but get them attached to your individual players, their personalities, right? Because Nobody buys a Florida Panthers jersey and puts team on the back. They put a name on the back. There's somebody there that they connect to and they want to see him. So what Matthew will do incredibly well, he's going to play a game that if you got a Chuck jersey on, your guy's going to do something just about every night, right? He's going to score a goal. He's going to get an assist. He's certainly going to piss the other team off, may get into a fight. Who knows? But you're going to watch your player play, and he's dynamic and he's involved. <coughs> Excuse me. He's also a great quote. He's also front and center. He's what what you don't know from the outside that I'm learning now is I, I really watch the way these guys treat people, how they treat our trainers, how they treat the people around them. So he had the trainers out for dinner probably in the first two or three days he's here. He's got this probably learned from mom and dad, right? Spent a lifetime in the NHL knowing how important the staff, the support staff around you are. But he's been, for a guy that you, I, I guess I'm no different than you. You probably project a person's on-ice personality as that's the way they are all the time. His off-ice personality for me has been maybe the, the complete opposite. He's, he's you know, a very easy guy to talk to, very caring person, really, really has um, reached out and built bridges with the staff, support staff. And I think that's what's going to happen with the fans here, right? They're going to they're going to get to know him as the pain in the ass that he is on the ice, and then they're going to get to love him for, for the person and the commitment that he's willing to make to the Florida Panthers. My last question for you, Paul, um, is on your goaltending. You know, you've got a veteran war, a workhorse, obviously, in Bobrovsky, and an up-and-comer in Spencer Knight, who did play 30, I think it was 30 or 32 games last year. We just signed a you know a significant extension too. Now in Winnipeg, you know you you ran Hellebuck out there quite a bit, and and it you know this has been a fascinating conversation for me the last few years with a lot of coaches and GMs and goalies about the sports science behind all this, and and I think the Bruins were the first team, as you know, to try to limit uh, Tugaras starts uh, way back, and 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 all the science behind that, but. You clearly have two guys that you trust anyway, but how, how do you figure that's going to play out this year? 
So that's come up, right? So I fired out the other day that I played Archer Survey 72 games one year. And, uh, <laughs> can you imagine that? Um, wow. And then Roberto, Roberto Luongo says I played 75. Can you imagine yeah. that? Like Crazy. trying to pull that off now. So between my history and management's history, we would say we'd run our goaltenders pretty hard here. But um, it seems, I think, there's an understanding in the league and maybe it's the the game is is faster and and they have to be far more dynamic in the net because of the way the play changes now in the offensive zone the goaltenders that are in their crouch the movements that they make the energy they expend that, that expecting the old days to come back i just don't think it's going to so having the tandem is a critical piece and they're both then capable of going on a run i think spencer's a, you know he's a young man but he's shown that this guy can play the game. And every year that he's here, he becomes more and more viable for the run. So whether it's Bobrovsky or Knight, you get to the playoffs, and, and everybody would respect that. You, you run the guy that gets hot for sure. And now they're both we, – we can put them in a position over the regular season to get high-end, high-quality goaltending out of the both of them, but have them both truly viable for the playoffs when we get there. Mm-hmm. You had a team that, uh, a team that won the President's Trophy – 58 wins, 340 goals for. That was 25 more than anybody else in the league. How much do you need to change about the way the Florida Panthers play hockey? And how do you handle expectations internally? What's the dialogue with the group about what the expectations on this group are? Well, part of the reason that I'm here is an understanding that 122 number uh, has some mirage in it when you think of 16 overtime points, right? And when Mm. you get to five-on-five regulation wins, we're kind of closer to the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, and we're also aware that there was a major divide in the Eastern Conference that I think has disappeared, right? There was the top eight, the bottom eight. It was pretty clear fairly early on where most of those teams. And and when you look at the teams, and some of them are up north, the changes that Ottawa's made, some of these teams have gotten quite a bit better. So that's going to change. And it was going to change whether the coach was changed or not. So Somebody's got to come in here and, and and make sure that when when we get into the grind that we're comfortable with it. How much do we need to change? You don't need clearly 122 points to win the Stanley Cup, but you do need to play a game that's capable. There's skill here, and, and we don't want to touch any of that. There are expectations. The expectation uh, for our team this year is that we, we put a process in place to become a championship team in everything that we do. And I, I mean everything. And this isn't just a Paul Maurice idea. The Bill Zito concept is that we build out a destination franchise in all processes, and part of it is how we play. We need to be an exciting team. I think in Florida, in a non-traditional market, it's very difficult to sell the old school game. It's got to be exciting, right? They, they, they're down here. They're watching the Dolphins. They're watching uh, the Heat. It's an exciting sport. We've got to put an exciting product on the ice. Um, but we also know that when you get into those playoffs, having the structure uh, that you can fall back on when the grind hits. You know, you took, their two opponents this year, the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning, both have been champions, but both went through the exact same thing. We're hopeful that our team is going through. Washington for years was a diamond dynamic offensive team and then they learned how to grind the game tampa bay right they they were they were a fabulous team went to the finals but also missed the playoffs and that's on an exciting game and then they bring in coleman they bring in goudreau they learned how to grind a little bit and they shut teams down special team skill was was important goaltending was important but they learned how to grind so that's the process that we're in right now 
Paul, the name of the podcast has got your back because we love asking our guests about a time in their life where yeah, maybe somebody came through for them. Do you have a story uh, that applies? Probably uh, every single day for my first 13 years in the NHL, Jim Rutherford had my back. You know, when, when you look at the, the risk of putting a 28-year-old behind the bench and, and early on in that first year, I think we were going into Jersey and, and I'm struggling. He said, look, I don't expect you to be great right now. Our team's not great right now, but I expect you to get better every day and I expect our team to get better every day. And I remember that because it was almost almost a turning point, right? We ended up, you know, made the playoffs three out of four years. The one year we didn't was when uh, Keith Primo was a holdout for 51 games. And then Mm -hmm. we culminated, we won the Eastern Conference that year. And I thought about that a lot because it really took some pressure off me. You know, basically you said, you're no good, uh, but so your team's no good either. So relax and just get better. And And that was kind of, all right, I'll just, I'll just try to get better. I have no idea what I'm doing here, but that was a really impactful thing. And, and, but to say that one event was the key, it was every single day with Jim Rutherford. He had my back, uh, and, and that's why I'm still coaching in the NHL. That's great. We appreciate yeah. you sharing that with us, Paul. And thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to see you back in the National Hockey League, and, and good luck this season. Thanks, guys. All right, enjoy it. Talk All to you right. soon. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. And our thanks once again to Paul Maurice for joining us. What do you think, Pierre? What's a reasonable target for the Florida Panthers this season? Are they going to be able to hit the same heights they did during last year's regular season? So on the one hand, I think the Paul Maurice hire gives a team that, that, that typical bounce that you get from a good veteran head coach uh, and players in general will respond really quickly to Paul Maurice. On the flip side, I think that the Calgary trade really made this more of a long-term investment for the Panthers in terms of their transition as a roster. And, and they may take a bit of a step back this year in terms of being a contender. I think they're a playoff team. But I, I don't think they're as deep now, having lost Huberto and Uyghur, Uyghur on the back end, and, and Kachuk comes in. But I actually think Florida maybe just comes down a notch from where they were, obviously, first overall in NHL standings last year. <laughs> well, and he pointed out all of the uh, all the tie games and all, uh, all those sorts of things maybe created a little bit of a mirage where the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. were concerned last season. The great equalizer, though, Alexander Barkov. Right? The Flames lost their two core guys in Goudreau and Kachuk. Uh, the Florida Panthers retain theirs and Alexander Barkov, and you just know they're going to find a way to make things gel with Barkov very much at the center out there. Good stuff, Pierre. Appreciate your time, my friend. We'll check in uh, early next week. Have a great Thanksgiving, buddy. You too, man. Go Cowboys. (laughs) Big weekend. Uh, All right, folks, that'll wrap up this uh, short shift edition midweek of the podcast. Want to say a big thanks to 
uh, our title sponsor, Cross Country Canada, supplies and rentals, Liberty Smart Security as well uh, today, providing that segment with uh, Panthers head coach Paul Maurice and Pro Hockey Life, big sponsor here on Got Your Back NHL Edition as well. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you after Thanksgiving. Cheers. Mm-hmm.